Hello, you are listening to Homilies from Newman University Church, founded by St. John Henry Newman and the home of the Notre Dame Newman Center for Faith and Reason. I rarely would begin by commenting on the, the psalm, but uh, Dominique did such a lovely job singing the beautiful Irish version of Psalm 22:23. It brought tears to my eyes as we reflect on not just the music, but even the words that the Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. There is nothing I shall want. Why is it that we are so often content as individuals and as a church to live lives of half measure, to go about our business as if we hadn't an understanding of the fullness of the glory of God that is ours and living our lives in such a way as to proclaim the kingdom. When I was a seminarian, then a deacon and a priest, I had the privilege of serving in a parish dedicated to uh, today's feast, Christ the King. Like most parishes named Christ the King, it was uh, formed, established just after 1925. And when the church first created this as a feast and now solemnity, the solemnity celebrates that glory of God through Jesus Christ, when all of creation is brought to completion and all of creation stands in judgment before the throne of God. At the parish, when I was first a seminarian and then a deacon, one of my responsibilities was to, uh, to meet with regularly the kindergarten, the five-year-olds, and we would do little parish tours at the start of the year. We would go to the sacristy, we'd go into the rectory, we would explore the vessels used at Mass. But one of our trips into the church started at the front of the church. Now it's a very unattractive building built in the 1960s, but on the front is this massive and magnificent statue of Christ, Christ reigning in glory, Christ the King. On top of the church, there is a crown. In the sanctuary, there used to be a crown, Baldacchino. And on the head of Christ, on the statue, is a crown that would be impossible to wear. It is so massive. And he stands there in his priestly robes, holding in one hand an orb, and the other a scepter, the traditional signs of royalty. And so we stopped in front of the church, and I asked the students, the children, what is Christ doing? And one little boy immediately said, he's going to play baseball. And I thought, wow, this is going south fast. So trying to regroup, I said, well, it's not a ball and a bat. And I looked over, and there next to the church was another statue of Christ the King, the one that stood in front of the original small church that had been replaced in 1961. And it's a more traditional statue. And we walked over to it. And I said, now look again closely. And on the orb 
there was actually the outline of the continents. So Christ is literally holding the whole world in his hand, which is what one of the little girls shouted out. He's got the whole world in his hand. Then I asked them if they noticed anything else about him. And I said, look at his hands and his feet. And one little girl said, fairly, soberly, he's got his wounds. And I said, what wounds are those? And she said, the wounds from the cross. And we spent not a long period of time, one never spends a long period of time talking to five-year-olds. We spent some little bit of time talking about what that means, that the one who reigns in heaven bears with him not just the knowledge but the reality of our human existence, of our suffering. He brings all of our life and all of his life as a son and as a subject to earthly kings, as a prayerful man and as a human being who walked this earth. He brings all of that back into heaven into the fullness of the celebration of the Godhead. But it is that Christ the King, the one who knows our human reality, that sits now in this image we hear today on the throne, who sits in judgment over all nations. And that's what we see in this, this passage. It's not really a parable, it's more of a description. This, this passage of what judgment will be like. All nations, all peoples will be gathered before the throne of God. And Jesus, who sits on that throne in his perhaps final act of turning creation, now complete over to the Father, will sit in judgment. And he'll sit in judgment on the choices we've made. It's fascinating that those who are described as the virtuous don't seem to know why they're being selected either. But Jesus reminds them that each and every human person is a reflection and an image of him. And that when we treat any human person with less than the fullness of dignity and respect that all human persons deserve, we are failing him. Why is it that we who have heard and know the truth are willing to live lives of half measure or falling short? At best, it may be fear, fear that that which we believe is not true. More likely, more often, it is a kind of indifference that arises when we allow our consciences to be clouded, clouded by our, by our sins, our unholy desires, by our willingness to focus on something other than Christ in our lives. The scriptures tell us a great story they are not principally or primarily a moral code. They're not recipes 
for social or political action. They are the story of the mystery of our salvation. A mystery which we enter into when we look at the suffering Christ, both on the cross and in our hearts. When we recognize in any human person, whatever their their tragedy, whatever is causing them pain or grief, whatever is making them seem insignificant or meaningless in our society, when we look at any human person and fail to recognize the greatness of the glory of God and strive to act with all our power to be hospitable, to recognize them, to seek to alleviate in some little way their suffering or their hardship. Today we celebrate Christ the King, the one who came from God, who was God, and who took on our human likeness, who took on our flesh and blood and walked this earth proclaiming the fullness of the good news, proclaiming the love of God through the healing of cripples, through the returning of sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf, and who willingly embraced his own tragic execution, unjust and cruel, so that we might have freedom, freedom of the children of God. St. Paul today describes him as the first fruits. We are the rest of the harvest. But we're only the rest of the harvest if we allow the glory of who Christ is and what Christ did to to flourish in our hearts, to burst forth in acts of kindness, and acts of hospitality. The rest of the harvest only comes when not just us personally, but the communities in which we live, this parish, our society, our nation, recognizes the importance of caring for each person as best we can and cherishing that very presence of God, that spark of divinity in each human person. For we hear also from St. Paul that Christ will be king until all of his enemies are under his feet and the last of his enemies to be destroyed is even death itself. Our goal, our purpose, is having crashed through the barriers of death through our baptism in the salvific act of Christ. We participate in his healing and transforming ministry to bring hope and joy and goodness to the world. Our efforts may flag, but why is it that we are content to live a half measure? Let us commit ourselves in the coming month as we now turn and transition next Sunday to Advent to spend time 
in prayer, to spend time in reflection on who we are and what we've done, and to open our hearts more fully to God's abiding presence, to turn that season of waiting into a season of anticipation and preparation. Preparing for the end, but preparing ever more fully for the growth of God's presence in our heart so that we might also reach out more fully, more completely, individually and as a community, as the living body of Christ, Christ triumphant, Christ on the throne, the Christ who bears with him the marks of suffering and has transformed them into signs of hope. Let us be that hope for one another, for the poor and the suffering and the forgotten among us. Let us be the foretaste of the fullness of the risen body of Christ. Let us be his people who do his will and his work. Let us truly be hope in a world that is desperate to see it.